Thank you, and once again, good day to students and teachers of the Word of God. Our last few lessons on the theological seminar there have been uh, eminently practical. We say this because having covered the great uh, doctrines of soteriology, homardiology, eschatology, anthropology, Christology, and theology, we have at last come to the bracket of practical theology that deals with such subjects as the assurance of salvation, uh, consecration, the prayer life, uh, repentance, forgiveness, uh, soul winning, finding the Lord's will, separation, backsliding, worship, Christian suffering, and so forth and so on. Under this subject, we shall also discuss the matter of ecclesiology, which will deal with the church, church discipline, the pastor, the offices and ordinances of the local church. But at present, we are dealing with practical subjects, in particular on this broadcast, finding the Lord's will. Now, this is the problem that faces every Christian on earth, and the problem is how to ascertain the will of God. After all, the Christian is one who has renounced his own will and submitted his will to God's will for his life and all that he does. Jesus was assigned a specific task to perform on earth, and he said in John 17:4, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And he said before Pontius Pilate that for this cause he came into the world. He knew why he was here and what he was to do and how he was to do it. So it is our responsibility to learn from the Lord the plan he has for our lives. It goes without saying that this plan cannot be found without obeying Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. God's plan for finding the will of God in the life of his children is to reveal to them his will on the basis of their obeying Romans 12, verse 1 to 3. Romans 12, verse 1 to 3 means that no Christian can find the will of God unless he puts himself into opposition with the world system in which he lives. The reason why many Christians never find out what God would have them to do and live their lives according to their own plan and by their own ways and means, like Jacob did, the life of sight instead of the life of faith, is because they refuse to obey Romans 12, 1 to 3. Romans 12, 1 to 3 indicates three wills of God for the child of God. A good will and a perfect will, and then a will that is, although it's good, not, God will not accept it. We read about a, such a thing as a good will, that is a Christian living a good life that God pays no attention to. An acceptable will, the Christian follows the Lord's plan for his life in some places and omits it in others. And then the perfect will, the step-by-step -step process whereby the Christian from day to day accomplishes God's will for his life. So there are three wills of God for the child of God. A Christian can live a life that's a good life, exactly like some unsaved man live a good life. And although the Christian may go to heaven when he dies, he receives no reward for this life because it had nothing to do with what God wanted the Christian to do. It was negative. It was merely avoiding trouble or living a good life in the sense of uh, not too much sinning. Then we have the acceptable will, which God will accept, the Christian service, which God will accept, and yet it is not exactly what God wanted him to do, but God will take it as a second alternative. Now, there are many cases of this in the Word of God. These things can be studied very clearly. A man can live a good life all his life without doing what God intended for him to do. A man that God has called to preach can be very successful as a banker, lawyer, doctor, and help people out. The Lord cancels his whole life on the ground that it isn't what God wanted him to do. Then a Christian can do certain things secondhand, like Paul wanted to go down to Jerusalem, although God told him not to. He went ahead anyway, 
The Lord blessed it and used it as a testimony and turned to his own ends, Romans 8.28, and yet at the same time Paul lost two years of his ministry in jail, which otherwise he could have had, showing clearly that although the Lord may allow the Christian to do certain things that look good, this doesn't always mean this is what God intends for the Christian to do. Now, of course, there are many people who have submitted their wills to Satan under the pretense of submitting to the Holy Ghost. These are demon-possessed Christians have mistaken the unclean spirit for the Holy Spirit and have yielded themselves to Satan for satanic suggestion. And then instead of obeying the Word of God, they go by an inner voice, which they think is the Holy Spirit. And their lives, of course, are completely wasted because their entire life is lived as a violation of God's Word because they have never submitted themselves to God's Word. They submit to an inner voice, which they believe is the Holy Spirit, which uh, sometimes is and sometimes isn't. Now, you can always spot these Christians by the fact that they have no written authority by which they go by. They don't have one final infallible authority. They have their own opinion about what is true and what is not true, and what they like and what they don't like in the Word of God. They've never submitted to the Word of God. Now, God has a plan for every life. There's a divine blueprint for each one of God's people. And this plan is suited to your particular personality, talent, need, potential, and environment. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship, created in God, in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God has ordained certain specific tasks, works for each individual Christian. There's a different race for each one of us. When Paul got through living, he could say, I have finished my course. He fulfilled his ministry, and his work was completed. In Acts 22:14, he said, The God of our fathers has chosen me that thou should know his will. God wanted Paul to know the Lord's will. So God's plan for you is very personal. It's just for you. In Psalm 32, 8, the Lord said to David, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. He also said in Psalm 37, 23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That is, God doesn't uh, deal with the distant future. He deals with your life step by step. This plan is continuous. We read in Isaiah 58:11, The Lord shall guide thee continually. The plan is definite and specific. Isaiah 30:21 uh, makes this clear, and so does Psalm 143, verse 8. Will of God should not only be good and acceptable, but perfect for the particular believer. And it's a sad fact that it's possible to miss the plan of God in your selfish and stubborn way to do your own planning. This is a tragic mistake, and of course it needs to be avoided, mainly because we're not capable of planning our own lives. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Jeremiah said, Wisely and well, Jeremiah 10.23, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Only God knows the future, and he is the one capable of choosing your vocation or path. Like the song says, you may not know the future, but we know the one who holds the future. And he holds us. Now, the tragic shipwreck of thousands of lives of Christians in America shows that very few Christians obey Romans 12, 1-3, and even few of them submit to the authority of the Word of God. Instead, they run around picking up translations to try to get the translation to say what they want it to say because they think their preference is more uh, important than absolute authority. These unsurrendered, unyielded Christians are often fundamentalists. They often profess to believe the Bible, 
and some of them occasionally teach in institutions where somebody in the institution occasionally leads somebody to Christ. This doesn't mean they're in the will of God or they're accomplishing God's purpose for their life. It simply means they're rebellious Christians who think they're smarter than the Bible. The life, the highway down life, is strewn with the wrecks of these Christians who get up to be 50 or 60 or 70 and suddenly discover they've been walking by sight and spending their whole life doing what they want to do instead of what God wanted them to do. I've talked to many a man who, when he got to be 50, confessed to me that he had spent 30 years trying to make money when he should have been studying for the ministry and taking up his cross and following Christ. The same is true also of many women who marry young and marry early because they figure that's more important than obeying God or finding God's will for their life. And at 40 or 50, they suddenly complain or whine or sometimes cry about being called to the mission field and never having made it. The man who will not deny himself and take up this cross daily and follow Christ need not talk about being led by the Spirit of God. He's led by a demon. And these people who talk about being led by the Spirit of God are very rarely ever talking about surrendering to God and then obeying His Word. They are talking about surrendering to an experience and then following an inner compulsion which they pretend is the Holy Spirit. Now, there are certain conditions of guidance. First of all, trusting in the Lord. Psalm 37, 3, Psalm 32 make it clear that guidance is for the believer. Two, delighting yourself in the Lord. Be eager, be willing to know His will and obey it. Thirdly, committing your way to the Lord. All of these matters are found in Psalm 37, verse 3, 4, and 5. Also in the passage, in verse 7, we're told to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. God has promised to guide according to His word, but not necessarily to reveal His will the same day that you request it. Then absolutely essential, surrender to the will of God. We must be willing to obey His will. Christ said, if a man is willing to do His will, he shall know of the doctrine. The only way you can know that what God said is so is obey John 7, 17. The only way you can prove what God's will is for yourself is to obey Romans 12, 1 to 3. Now, there are no other alternatives. An old song says, trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. It isn't a matter of getting screwed up doctrine in Acts 2.38 to where you run around and blubber about some feeling you had and try to prove that you have a gift or you're spiritual because you think you're smart. That has nothing to do with it. It has to do with you presenting your body as a living sacrifice to God for what He wants to do with you and through you and to you in this life. It has nothing to do with you whining and complaining to God or trying to get from God things that you think you need so you can go around and pretend to be more spiritual than your brothers and sisters in Christ. It has to do with you laying yourself on the altar for God to make you conform to His image and His will and His way in opposition to the world system in which you live. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. And the reason why we have hundreds of thousands of Christians in America today who aren't worth worth the powder and shot to take to blow them up to New Jerusalem is because they have never yet taken a clear-cut stand against the world system in their hometowns where they live. They look like the world, they talk like the world, they think like the world, they act like the world, and some of them smell like the world. And they don't have any more nerve to tell a man he's going to hell than they do to try to fly to Venus backwards with a pair of water wings. Separation from the world and known sin is a requisite for knowing God's will, and without it, you'll never know it. 
Your mind cannot be in tune with the Lord until it's in tune with his book. There isn't any such a thing as obeying a still, small voice that isn't in line with his book. And one of the great fake healers who has a school out in the Hope, Oklahoma, says the Holy Spirit does not always lead and guide according to scriptural principles. He is speaking as close to blaspheming the Holy Ghost as you can speak. The Holy Spirit always goes by scriptural principles and always guides by spiritual principles and never goes contrary to scripture or scriptural principles. At a recent meeting of people who thought they had gifts in a church up north when all of them got together and tried to go back to Rome, one of the Roman plenipotentiaries said, Get away from Mother Scripture. Don't be tied to the apron strings of Mother Scripture. The book says if they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. So if you have a Bible translation that differs with the Word of God in 31,000 places, like the ASV or the New ASV, or differs from the Holy Bible in 44,000 places, like the so-called Living Bible or New English Bible, there isn't any chance at all that you'll ever know what God wants from you one way or another. Your destiny is to pretend that you're doing God's will on the basis that you think you're smarter than God. And that'll have to be the beginning and length and finish of your life. Because after all, if you sat in judgment on the Word of God, there isn't any reason why God should reveal anything to you. Now, how does God reveal His will to the seeking individual? Well, mainly, primarily, through a book. After all, in the beginning was the Word. Men communicate to each other with words. So it stands the reason and stands the Scripture that the first main source of God revealing His will to you is through His book. As a matter of fact, there's some statements so clear about this matter in the book itself that if you have a new Bible, you never saw them. The new Bibles are designed to confuse the Word of God to where you can't understand it. Reading from the King James Bible, they're going to read you what you did not find in any translation you have on your shelf. Are you listening? I'm reading from 1 Samuel 3.1. The child Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. First Samuel 3, 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. First Samuel 3, 21. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did let none of his words fall to the ground. In these verses, we're told that a man, if a man doesn't know the Word, he doesn't know the Lord. When he knows the Lord, he knows the Lord by the Word. When the Lord reveals himself, he reveals himself by the Word, but there's no revelation of the Word, there's no revelation of the Lord. And when a man reveals him, when the Lord reveals himself to a man, he reveals himself but to the man by the Word. These words, called collected the Word of God, are called the mouth of the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, they're called the oracles of God in Romans chapter 3, and they are no more connected with the corrupt Vatican and Sinaitica text behind the new ASB and the ASV than they are with Mickey Mouse's Donald Duck. God used the Bible to reveal to his children what he had them to do. God guides through verses of Scripture that sometimes speak almost aloud to you. Saturate yourself with the Word of God if you want to know what God wants to have you to do. God's will is never contrary to the Bible. God was never the author of any verse that omitted through his blood in Colossians 1.14. God wouldn't write a book like that. 
If you have a book that says Jesus instead of Lord, Luke 23, when the dying thief is get saved, you know as God will never have a Bible like that out. That Bible is under the permissive will of God, the same permissive will that Satan operates under. God's will is never contrary to the Bible. No Bible God ever had anything to do with ever said that, Je- that Jesus Christ had Joseph for a father in Luke 2.33. If you have a Bible that says Joseph was Christ's father in Luke 2.33, you have a Bible that is a satanic counterfeit of God's will, and if you can't find the will of God from such a Bible, God won't show you his will from such a Bible. Your job is to study, to show yourself to prove and know the Word. As an old uh, Bible says in the preface, ignorance of the Bible is ignorance of Christ. Secondly, in a conviction that is given by the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will guide lead you according to what the Scripture says. The test of the Spirit shows that the voice that comes to you, if it goes contrary to the Word of God, that if the voice tells you that you have the gift of tongues, when the Bible tells you the tongues are for a sign to Israel, then you know that you're listening to an unclean spirit. If the inner voice inside you tells you have you the gift of tongues, and you find the gift of tongues only used three times in the New Testament, every time as a sign to unbelieving Israel, then you know what to do with that spirit that tells you that. If the guiding, leading voice in you, you tells you you have the gifts of the apostles given to the apostles, and you read in the Bible that the apostles were all circumcised Jews who died out before the New Testament was complete, then you know that voice to you is a lying spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given for the purpose of guidance, and when he comes, he said, Christ said he'll guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit never guides the lead, contrary to the truth of the written word, for Christ said in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. If any spirit is guiding you contrary to the written word, that is the unclean spirit. You don't have the Holy Ghost, you have the unholy ghost. Imagine the Holy Spirit writing a book and then giving you directions contrary to what he said. It won't happen. The Holy Spirit who came at Pentecost and put the disciples, the apostles, into Christ and witnessed with tongues to unbelieving Israel, that Holy Spirit that wrote that account in Acts chapter 2 said that the gift of tongues was a sign. The sign were for the Jews, just like the miracles and the healing. They were apostolic signs in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, and they ceased with the Acts of the Apostles, because the Apostles ceased. Now, if the Spirit in you or in the pulpit told you something different, you're listening to the lying spirit of Second Corinthians 12 that does the signs and wonders of Second Thessalonians 2, and the man or spirit is called a liar in Revelation 2.2. 2. Now, don't get mad at me in your intolerant bigotry and your dogmatic hallucination. Get you a Bible, if you can, and read it. And I don't mean a, new, mean a newer translation. I mean a Bible. So you can tell who's talking with you. That explains why thousands of Christians in America today, demon-possessed Christians, are filled with an unclean spirit. They have listened and yielded to and followed a spirit that is contrary to the Holy Spirit that wrote that book. All right, now another way we can check on these things, after consulting the Lord's book, directly what he told us to do, we can watch circumstances. God by circumstances closes one door and opens another. Nothing happens to the child of God by accident. That's clear from Romans 8.28. Each item is planned by the Father or allowed by the Father. What happens to you is either the directive will of God or it is the permissive will of God. 
God permitted Paul to be sick and stay sick all his life. You hear a lot of stuff shirts these days talking about God doesn't want you sick. It's God's plan for every Christian to be in good health. That's a bull-faced, bare-faced lie. If it's God's plans for Paul's life that he stay sick of infirmities his entire life and carry a registered physician with him, who is called Luke the beloved physician in Colossians 4, and on his deathbed before he's beheaded, he has this beloved physician with him, 2 Timothy chapter 4, because of his infirmities, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. You say, but I thought, you thought nothing of the kind. Ignorance of the Bible is ignorance of Christ. All you thought was because some man quoted four or five verses at you, and because you wanted to get healed, that you could believe the Bible said it's something it didn't say in order to obtain your own way. This is what we mean by not obeying Romans 12, 1 to 4. To say it's God's plan for everybody to be, have good health and be well in this life is to uh, insult and make a liar out of the author of Scripture, the Holy Spirit. Paul was sick by the permissive will of God, had a thorn in the flesh, which was said to be the messenger of Satan. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and it's up to you to read it and search the Scriptures and see if these things are so. If you're a child of God, the time is long past when you can afford to believe everything you hear over a radio station or reading the newspaper or reading the translation. The time has come when you're going to have to get you a book and pick it up and see if somebody is giving you the shaft or not. Nothing is more pitiful than three or 400,000 Christians in America or 500 or 600,000 who are going by inner voice and inner lights, and all they're doing is acting like politicians. Why, love and peace are the two words every politician used to get in office. Somebody is giving some of you suckers a gaffed act. Now, in driving, the red lights are equally valuable for guidance of the green lights, so when God closes the door, we should observe it. When he opens the door, we should observe it. When the door closes, we're to wait on God and thank him for closing the door and pray for another door. Sometimes the Lord guides by the advice of other people. Sometimes God reveals his will along with the word of God through opportunities, circumstances, the wish of parents, the advice of friends, the evaluation of one's own abilities, personal inclination, and the needs of the day and the conscience. In a multitude of counselors, there are one of their, in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. It's very unsafe for any man to sit down and get up in prayer after hearing a small voice and say, God is leading me to do this and that. That's the most unsafe practice you could possibly imagine. After all, your flesh wants to do this or that. The beast father said, oh, I, you know, I'm so anointed today, and the Lord is leading me to say this and that. Men puts in a pitch to sell records. I don't want an unsafe record to sell in America that wouldn't feel led to do that. So the Lord just led me to do this and that. Well, I don't know. I have never known the flesh not yet to let a fellow do something to get him some attention. You better check it. Before making big decisions, it's wise to ask not only your parents, but your friends and your enemies. Sometimes your enemies can give better advice than your friends because they know your faults better. Now, George Mueller was a great man of God who lived many years ago who accomplished things through prayer that perhaps no other man ever accomplished. I don't have the exact statistics available for this broadcast on George Mueller's work in the orphanage of Bristol. But George Mueller was an amazing man in that he never asked anybody to send him in any letters. He never asked anybody to send him in any prayer request in order to get their address to try to get money out of them. 
and George Mueller raised more than $4 million in American money and supported more than 2,000 orphans in a lifetime, feeding them three meals a day, and sent out more than a million dollars to foreign missions. How did he do it? He did it simply through prayer, without once publicizing his work, putting out circulars about his work, putting out bulletins or letters about his work, and without once telling anybody about his need. He prayed in the money. Not once did he ever said, send in for this little stick pin, or send in for this plastic plate, or send in for this olive leaf from the Mount of Olives, or this piece of wood from the table at the Last Supper, or this, you know, I mean, you know, you know the gimmicks for the Gaff Act. George Mueller prayed in over $4 million in American money, called pounds in England, raised over 2,000 orphans who never missed a meal a day, and put a million dollars in the mission field, or 25% of his income. Don't you think it might be wise to ask George Mueller what his formula was for finding the will of God? Let's ask him, shall we? Brother Mueller, what is your formula for finding guidance? Here he answers. Number one, surrender your will, have no definite choice in the matter, lay yourself at God's disposal. Surrender your will to God. Number two, seek the Holy Spirit's will through God's Word, the King James 1611 Authorized Version. George Buter never used or read or worked with any other Bible in a lifetime than the King James 1611 Authorized Version, which he called God's Word. Three, note providential circumstances. Four, pray for God, or pray for guidance. And five, wait on God. F.B. Meyer once wrote these words, When the Word of God, the impulse of the Holy Spirit in my heart, and the outward circumstances are in harmony, I am convinced that I am acting in accordance with the will of God. The first item is, When the Word of God, the Word of God is in harmony with the other two. Where you don't have the Word of God, and confine the Word of God to original manuscripts you've never seen, you never know whether the circumstances of the Holy Spirit are in line with the Word of God or not. So many of you people who profess to be guided by the Word of God are in a terrible circumstance because your Christian education has talked you out of believing that you have a copy of it. You're in trouble. Both of these men say that the absolute essential for finding the will of God is to study God's Word and make sure it's in line with what you're about to do. If you don't have God's Word, the Holy Bible, and when these men speak, they're speaking of the authorized version, you're in trouble, for you have no map. So often in guidance, it is a combination of several factors. You only need light for one step at a time. Above all, obey the light that God has already given you, and then he'll give you further light. Don't reject light from the Word because it contradicts what you've been taught or what you felt. Never reject light from the Word because it overrules your prejudices or makes you feel humble or upsets some of your theological convictions. Light rejected becomes lightning. There is no way to discover the will of God by rejecting light from the Bible. Remember that God wants you to give you both the master plan and the minute details of your life, so wait patiently on him 
They that wait upon the Lord shall not be ashamed. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. And he'll reveal them day by day. Never go back on guidance. Never perform autopsies on guidance. And that is, uh, having put your hand to the plow, don't look back, or as Paul said, forgetting those things that are behind. Start today with God, seeking light from the Word of God today, and obey the light that God gives you today. The right road leads out of the right place. Or as a famous preacher once said, the best preparation for tomorrow is to do what you ought to do today. Now, we trust this lesson on finding the will of God has been edifying to you. In our next week's broadcast, we'll take up the matter of prayer on the Theological Seminar.